Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience revelatory teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. And we are back for another week of ABCs of Apostleship 2, discipling apostolic Christians through into becoming, I should say, scripturally organic and culturally unmodified. (laughs) Tonight we are branching out into Christianity as a person. Now, I personally cannot wait to see what that's going to be all about. If it's anything like the voice of God moving through the garden, (laughs) then this should be pretty interesting. (laughs) What do you say, Dr. Price? Uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit like the voice of God, God moving through the garden that's in the middle of a populated planet. Okay. How's that? Excellent. That's good. I, I want to say that. Um, I'm excited about tonight. I've been excited on our journey. Hey, Ashley, we've been doing Sunday soap. Sunday soap. Sunday soap. Yes. Remember Sunday soap? Yes, I do. What do you remember? I know you remember everything because you know your mind still. You know, I don't remember everything. It's hard to remember everything when you're running the camera. I can't take notes. You can't, oh, you didn't take notes? But you continue with the shopping and the spraying. <laughs> remember the biohazards? Yes. Christianity's biohazards. Do you know the biohazards? And bio means life. And Christianity is all about life. So. On Sunday scope, we talked about the biohazards. Do you remember? And then we had the wall of Christianity and organics. And so if you did not catch us on Sunday scope, do put it down in your calendar to catch us this week. Go and listen to Sunday's scripturally organic service from Tulsa, Oklahoma, brought to you by me. Yours truly, because you are back. With the bang. In the pulpit, and this word is too good to keep to ourselves. What I love about technology is uh, there are no secrets. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be the best kept secret. I'm like, that's, that's, not, a comp- that's not a compliment. No. That's no, not no. to frustrate. Looks, we don't want you to be, you want to be made known. <laughs> I had to say to somebody once, they were like, oh, I just don't want to share Dr. Price with anybody. I said, you realize that statement is a part of our warfare. <laughs> I'm not you don't share her with anybody. Mm-hmm. And then this doesn't spread, and then people are like, well, how come our people don't know? Because you won't share. <laughs> so she did say that to the right person. Which is why you started saying, share, share, share. 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 And by all means, I need you to talk about scripturally organic Christianity. You also want to go back to, is it the one before that I did the teaching on simple, what is this, um, the simple church? The Simple Church. Oh, um, was that three weeks ago? I think so. And I, where I made the difference between what God started in 1993 and what he's finishing through me. Yay. Hallelujah. Because it's not new. And I want you to recognize that I'm not saying this is new because I have, I'm a firm believer in Solomon 3, that there is nothing new under the sun. That which is has already been, and that which is to be has already been. There is nothing new under the sun. God has so much that he's done. He's, he's, he does it all over the planet, on and on and on and on. So I want you to understand that God has been starting and stopping in this thing uh, for quite some time. You know, likewise with apostleship and even, you know, with Christianity. You know, we act as if this is the first time Christianity has come under attack. Well, I think that's like Americans being in shock when we actually have to deal with real warfare, like real war. Oh, I mean, in our life, our life. in our lifetime, it, it hasn't been. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. It, what is salt? We, now we have to do something about it. Yeah, now, but it's a little late, because in God's world, and I said this to someone I was training this week, I said, you know, when God says go on earth, it's because he's finished in heaven. So when he says, let, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God, first of all, everybody in heaven does God's will because they don't have any competition. God has, he kicked out his competition. So he has, they don't have an alternative. Okay. Understand, that's why people, when God talks about when you're coming to heaven, Jesus says you're going to go where the 
where the, the thieves can't break in, where the, the moth can't corrupt, and where nobody dies and the worm doesn't come on. There are no worms up there. God says this because he wants us to know that he has dealt with earth's problems in his world first. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's a powerful thought. Just That's one of those kind of, hmm, let me have to think on that a little bit. And so you need to think on it because when God says go on earth, it's because he's done in heaven. Dr. Price, if you say that, how can you prove it? I always prove it going back to the same place I always go, which is, which is Genesis. We, you know, we have conflict with the scientists about the age of Earth. Mm-hmm. We have, I mean, that's an ongoing religious conflict, philosophical argument. Christians, I, I, I can't even get, wrap my head around that. No, I can't. But anyway, Christians are saying the Earth is only 7,000 years old. We're only in the seventh day. And we can go on. So let me just tell you this. That is not in Scripture. God does everything by the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost performs according to God's Word. Now, think about it. I know you see, don't you all like it? Think about it a little bit. The Holy Spirit moves by God's Word. When Jesus was preparing the apostles to receive his spirit, what did he say? He said, the Holy Spirit is coming. I'm sending you another comforter. He's bigger, pervasive. He's not bound by time and space. He can cover a whole lot more ground than I can. He said, and he will take of what is mine and show it to you. And the Holy Spirit will, he will speak on his own. He He has his own way, but he is fully versed in me. And I am fully versed in my Father. So that is how they all speak. So God says, let there be. He runs through the entire six days of creation. Come on, I want my theologians and my scholars to lean in. He goes through his entire six days of creation. The sixth day, he creates man and woman. He rests on the seventh day. And so we're assuming that everything we learn in Scripture later on about the Sabbath is what he did. I'm going to conclude that for the sake of this discussion. However, eighth day, he gets back to work. So we realize that there was something happening after week one. If God did not have the eighth day or the new first day, pick one, if he did not have that, we wouldn't know. what We would think that he made man and then he went off somewhere. But actually, that is not how the scripture reads. So the eighth day, it says he formed man from the dust of the earth. Anybody hear what I just said? Formed after Sabbath day. After Sabbath. And seventh is supposed to be the end of God's rotation. Eight is the number of embodiment. You can track eight all throughout Scripture. It's not just new beginning. It is the beginning of a new week, but it's also all about embodiment. So he forms man, and then he makes this garden, and he puts man in the garden. It, why? Because these are his physical labors. The first seven days were his spiritual labors, because God is spirit. He has to create everything he will do in the spirit first, in the spirit realm first, because the spirit is the engine of everything that we have in existence. So after that, he's got man in the garden. He gives Adam his commandments. And he said, listen, of all of this you can eat, you can, you know, every tree, just don't touch this. If you do, in the day that you do, you'll surely die. Now, we all listen to that as if poor little Adam was a dumb, dumb baby. He wasn't. He was made in the image and likeness of his God before God spit him out. So God created Adam at least got him outside of his being, but he had not yet put him in the body. Are y'all following me out there? Come on. How you doing, Periscope? We are doing all right. Okay. Facebook, we good? Okay. Hanging tough. I got tough folks. See, I believe Christians are supposed to be smart. This whole dumb campaign of America is not a Christian campaign. So 
God makes him, puts him in the garden, and then what does God go about doing? Embodying all the creatures. The only thing that was embodied were the vegetation, the mountains. The living creatures and beings, not so. So it seems like poor little Adam, I mean, he didn't know anything. And mean old God, I mean, he's the only guy. And mean old God tells him he got to die for, for just chomping on a tree. I mean, what's that all about? And so we too, God embodies everything. So they, they ate because it's the last thing that he does, that he makes out of what he's doing. But it's also the first day that, he, that humanity gets a body. So it's very important that you understand that logistic because those themes show out throughout, throughout, throughout Scripture. A lot of you all who are teachers of Scripture know that those themes go, show up over and over again. And so it has been said by some very brilliant people that everything you want to know about the Bible and God is in the book of Genesis. And if you can crack the code on Genesis, you crack the code on Scripture. So I'm saying this because I want you to understand we don't really know God, but God does everything in spirit first, and he does it by his word first. First his words, and then his works. First his words, and then his works. First his command, and then his hands. First his command, and then his hands. So if God doesn't have anything existing in the spirit realm, it will not manifest in the earth because it has nothing to hold it or pull it together. Will not happen. And that's the important part of prophecy, and it's also the secret to false prophecy. False prophecy says things for which God has no spiritual vision, apparatus, appliances, structure, blueprint, architect for. So God says it, but it doesn't exist. Well, where would it exist? Well, he says that he wrote a book on everything, Psalm 139, every being in the planet, every, every human being. I don't care if, you, if it's like miscarriage. If it took life, he wrote it because it had a purpose. It served his purpose. And so having said that, you definitely don't want to miss me in April, all of my women out there. You don't want to miss me because I'm going to talk about Eve's curse and why God had to do it and what he's done to reverse it. And it goes along with the Lady Wisdom teaching. So don't come and think you're going to hear about, oh, yes, she was the most wicked thing, evil thing. No, no, no. That's not the revelation you gave me about Eve. You don't want to miss it, and you definitely don't want to miss an opportunity to restart your life. This is a Women's Restoration Weekend. You don't want to miss this time. Don't, don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Let me tell you something I found out about devils. Devils hate being homeless. Now, Jesus intimates that when he says, when the devil's cast out, he goes in dry places thinking where he can go. I mean, because they can't express themselves because they're invisible. Somebody uh, uh, had to hit that. That was worth a slap. They're invisible, and they live to express themselves. So they can't express themselves other than knocking down pictures and stuff like that. If they do it, they come up in here. They don't get an opportunity to do that because I demand them to where they belong. So we don't have that. But so they're always looking for a body. They need a body. Now, many, many of them have a right to certain genetic trees, certain you know, lineal trees. Therefore, when they are cast out, they're looking for a home. They need homes. And wherever it is, I don't know why they search dry places. We'll talk about that another time. But here's what I want you to know. When they can't find a home, they come back home. And they don't come along because anything wandering will pick up a pack. So they pick up what, seven more like themselves. Really interesting how that works. took the eighth day to get Adam in the body, and it takes that devil bringing seven more with him to get back in your house. Okay. Anyway, moving right along, just remember this. If God wants to deliver you, you need two things, faith in God, and you need to be where deliverance is happening, and don't assume that you can deliver yourself because if you were if you were able to deliver yourself, you would have been wouldn't be bound. And so change of life requires a change agent. 
You cannot change your life without a change agent. I know that we listen to all of that other stuff in the, in the 70s and in the 80s and 90s and 2000. Bless God, you just do it your way. Do it yourself. We all had that kind of Frank Sinatra mindset. We could just do it our way. And you know what? Saints didn't get it done. And devil put us on the run. So, sisters, if you want to change life, you have to realize that there are codes to changing. There is a, a way to change. Not everything you hear changes your life. There are many things you hear that impress you, they inspire you, that all of that, but not many things provoke you. And provoke is the strongest of all of those synonyms because provoke means it's pushing you to do something that's going to press you forward. And there can be, I don't care what anybody says, there can be no deliverance without intelligence. Because when you read the Bible, Jesus either taught and then delivered, or he delivered and taught to keep them delivered. Your intelligence is involved in your captivity. Thus, your intelligence is needed in your deliverance. You like that, don't you, Hunter? 3D. 3D. <laughs> Make your own plug. Make your plug. You have to understand why you're captive. And I'll tell you something. The whole scripture explains it to you. But if you are captive, the enemy is going to have you reading it according to his advantage. He's going to have you understanding it and comprehending it from his perspective, from the perspective of the whole, his generational um, traveling in your family tree. It's very involved. Deliverance, we have made it like a finger snap. We're just going to blow on you. You fall out and get up delivered. Let me tell you something. A lot of people fall down with their devils and get back up with them. We act like if they fall out, the devil stays on the floor, the body gets up. That's not deliverance. Now, uh, there are things that we can do to, to, to loosen them. There are even things that we can do to cast them out. But the legitimacy that gave them authority cannot happen in just a word. Unless, of course, you are Jesus Christ. Because the Bible said he cast out devils with the word and he spoke with authority. But the authority was he's the author of the devil. Come on, somebody. Oh! His authority came from being the author of devils. He said, behold, all souls of mine, all souls of mine. I'm the father of spirits. I'm the God of the spirits of all flesh. All of this is my handiwork. And if God made them, then he knows the genetic coding and the word composition to make them leave. And they have to leave because he's their maker. He knows that if they don't leave, and they know that if they don't leave, he can terrify them, torment them, and shred them to pieces. He's not, they know that. They know when he wants to hurt. Have you come to destroy him before I turn? Oh, son of the most high God. We wouldn't have had sense to know that half of the humans didn't know he was the son of anybody other than Joseph and Mary. And they certainly wasn't, wasn't getting crazy being God. He delivered. When he cast out the spirits with a word, that's why when you try to deliver people with all of those other religious things, it doesn't work. It's a con. It's a kind. Devils are real smart. They're not trying to be homeless, and they have covenants. Listen, if you don't cast me out, I won't cast you out. If you don't expose me, I don't expose you. It's what we do in the flesh. That came from devils. They make a pact. Okay, so when we have this meeting, we'll just all play musical bodies. We'll just all shift one, and then we'll just all shift one, and then we'll just all shift another one. And then when it's all over, we'll all go back home. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but the music is always playing. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go over here. I'm like, there's one in the pit. Hey, I'm going over there. That's true. I'm, I'm impressed by that. Look at him, deep and spiritual. Look at this one, not involved. Look at that one, sleep. They love it when you sleep. No fight. No defense. So I want you to, uh, yeah, I gave you some tidbits tonight. This is okay to get tips, get tidbits. I mean, is that okay? Huh? Facebook, is it okay for me to share some tidbits? We just call them tidbits for wisdom. How about you, Periscope? Y'all up to it. Because we think we know. And part of why people don't get free is because they don't. Oh, wow. My God. Yes. <laughs> because we don't, you don't realize people don't get free because they don't know how to be free. And most times,
sometimes they have to be brought into the real reason why they're bound. Sometimes what you think is your reason is not your reason. I've had most, most devils have had covenants and contracts since you were a kid because mama's boyfriend came in and slipped in the bed because Uncle Bubba did so-and-so because so-and-so gave you a drink when mama was gone. The babysitter, you, those are all legitimacies that you are without power to prevent. I always tell people, you may not be able to do anything about what happened to you, but you can always do something about what you do with it. So just for just to let you know how you do it, without intelligence, you cannot stay free. That is why God taught the madman of Gadara. That's one of my favorite examples. This guy terrified the whole region. People got out. He met him at the shore. They got off the boat, and they just turned around and got back in. Scared. This guy was naked. He was monstrous. He was crazy. He had. We would have a whole lot of psychological names for him today. You know, and after we strapped him down, we drug him up. Okay, but Jesus didn't need the strapping or the drugging. But he knew that this man housed a community, a spiritual community. He said, what's your name? My name Legion, for we many. Now, most of us, I know we like to play around and say, what's your name? I don't really care what their name is. I don't need a devil's vital statistics to cast them out. I don't need your birth certificate. I don't need your exile papers. I don't need your banishment court papers from God that took you out and kicked you out of here. I don't need any of that. What I need you to do is go and be gone for good. But people don't understand that they train you to house them. They train you to keep them. They train you to love them. They train you to need them. They train you to rely on them. They train you to think them, and they train you to feel them. So your habits are so fused with them, you don't even realize it. It's like an alcoholic or a drug addict. Those, those addictive spirits train you to take care of them. You become a steward of the thing that enslaved you. That's what slavery means. You take care of your captor. Y'all still with me? Are they flowing? <laughs> hey, you know, this is why I do this this way. You see how I make it make sense to you? We owe nobody nothing. So here's what you have to know. If you don't have, if you're not led through the intelligence that caused you to give this thing legitimacy and authority in your life, then you may go to prayer line after prayer line and you get those emergency room reliefs. But trust me, they'd be in your car, they'd be in your house. Three days later, you're like there, back. and I know they fight to come back. I know it specifically. Now, I don't talk a lot about devils because the church seems to be more fascinated with devils than you are about Jesus Christ. And you are, I mean, you're so excited about devils. Oh, he's going to Are you kidding me? No. Mm-mm. I'm not impressed with failure. And that's what we're talking about. I'm not impressed with that. I chose the right God, and I know I chose the right God because I messed around with the wrong ones. And the right one came and acted like he owned everything, so I stayed with him. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you, you seem like you got it controlled. I stayed with him. And I'll tell you about miracles after miracles and testimonies after testimonies about the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is and his power. And, and, and as spectacular as they are, they still require intelligence. What did Jesus say? He said, don't rejoice. Come on, somebody. That the devil, are afraid of you, rejoice that your names are written in the land book. And in other words, enjoy, rejoice in the intelligence that prevents them from ever overtaking you again. You got any comments you want to share? I'd love to hear their thoughts on this. Some of you guys, tell me your thoughts. Let's see. Tina said, I'm not impressed with failure. Say that, Dr. Brown. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, who is, first of all, I just want to put in a plug here. She is probably one of our biggest Dr. Paula Price.tv fans and supporters <laughs> vocally out there. So, way to go, Sade. All right. Uh, Fatima said, yes, intelligent. Cassandra said, come on. Uh, let's see. They said, we're with you here. Tracy said, he said, this is good. Apostle Bill said, amen. Apostle Barbara said, we're with you. Michael said, yes. And a whole bunch of people said, yes. Tiffany, Tina, 
Wow. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Uh, oh, yes. And Tina said, Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Apostle Barbara said, Intelligent. <laughs> Intelligent. Honey, because really, if God is the Logos and he's the wisdom of all and we're filled with all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, one thing we should be is intelligent. We should be articulate and we should be intelligent. Articulate because Jesus is the word and intelligent because Jesus is the logic of all words. How about Periscope? You got anything over there for me? Yes, they said great. Preach, Dr. Price. My God, tell the truth. Come on here. Needed this last night. Somebody <laughs> said, give me Jesus. Come on. Come on. <laughs> good, good stuff. Someone said, I'm a first timer and I'm enjoying myself. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. I, I'm glad to hear that. Every now and then, I like to hear what each other are saying. We want to always greet our first timers. Thank you for joining us. Make sure that when it's over, you go and visit everything I have at drpaulaprice.com. All right, let's get the dates of the women's event. Yes. Come on, Prophet Ashley. Run with it. Women of Dominion, restoring your womanhood, breaking the seal on the Eve curse. Mm. April 14th and 15th, right here in T Town, Tulsa. Oklahoma. Go to Dr. Price's website, like she said, Dr. Paula A. Price. Well, www.drpaulaaprice.com, and find out about registrations. Only seventy-five dollars. The hotel shuttles you back and forth to the airport. If you're flying in, you won't have to rent a car. The uh, hotel is the Crown Plaza, where we have at this point all of our events. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's going on. But where are you going to be this Friday? I am going to be with Apostle Barbara Davis in Princeton, Louisiana. That's Did right. you see that? I got it. I got it. I am so I don't even I don't even have a candy, nothing to reward myself. <laughs> I got an object some water. Let me just drink some water <laughs> to reward myself. Come on, Ashley, tell them all about it. Let me tell them all about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Friday night, seven PM. A voice crying in the wilderness ministry is the name yep. of Apostle Barbara Davis. She's tuning in tonight as well, so she can give a shout out and put the oh you know what, put the address up there for them. Kingdom Connection Multiplied is the theme of this weekend. It's only one night Dr. Price is going to be there. Yeah. Friday night, which is the perfect night. I know there are people from other ministries driving in. I don't want to I don't know which direction. I don't want to say up, down, north, down. Driving know. in to Princeton, Louisiana. I know some of our saints from Tulsa. Are driving because I think it's only five hours. So mm-hmm. they're driving to Louisiana, and we are, first of all, some of us have to go because Apostle Barbara Davis bought a bus two years ago. Yes, she did. And, no, it was a classy bus. Last year. But it was class. Oh, it was red. It was oh, all right. Yeah, it was black. Oh, my. Oh. I was sitting at, I was sitting at the front desk, and I said at the front desk, oh, do you have another conference here? And they said, no. And they said, no, we're pretty sure that's yours. <laughs> And we met some of the most wonderful people. Yes. We really did. Yes. Yes. And so uh, you don't want to miss Friday. You certainly don't want to miss the women's event. Get to Tulsa. Make it. Thank you. You put up that address. Make it your business to get to Tulsa for the women's event. It will. You know, people say all the time, this is going to change your life. I guarantee your life won't be the same. But you walk away like, that. Oh, it's fun and thing. <laughs> it was nice. It was okay. nice. But. Anybody, and if you've been to our events, I want you to post even tonight, can testify your life will, will be changed. You will be delivered. You're going to leave devil here and walk away, and then we send them off and walk away. She said we, we send them off. We send them back. Mm-hmm. And see, with, with purpose and destiny, we have testimonies even from December. People's lives, women's lives coming together, yes. advancing in their careers, advancing in their health, advancing in their ministry, their family, mm-hmm. whatever. Because you cover woman foot. I do. It's woman foot. Because, you know, we're not just a female. Mm-hmm. You know, we are the womanhood. I want to tell you something that I think is very important for all of us to know. Very few women get through childhood without being molested. Very few. Um, sometimes they remember, sometimes they don't. It's a rare thing. And as women, especially in today's world, very few women get through it without being abused, 
at least in one abusive relationship, abusive friends, whatever, there are things dormant in your soul from that moment that you don't even realize there, but they're working. They're working behind the scenes. Sometimes they're noisy. Sometimes they're secret, but they're working. You need that. This is a time where God is doing phenomenal things with women. But I have a teaching, two teachings that I often talk about. The first one is the soul of success. You know, you ever wonder why people can be so successful and you see them later, whether it's your favorite star, athlete, or whatever, and they're a wreck? Because your soul has got to be constructed to sustain and thrive in your success. Because many successes deteriorate your soul. And if your soul is not constructed to thrive, your success and your victories and jubilee and all that will be short-lived. You have to recognize that, you know, the enemy loves using children and putting children out because their soul's not formed, and he can't keep them long anyway. And so, and they, are, they, don't, they don't have the intelligence to fight off the things that are. Many of these kids have to go to whole camps, drug camps, and trash camps to be accepted, to be able to bring you the music that you like or the style or the artistry that you appreciate. And they love to, he loves tearing up kids. He loves it. It's his passion. He needs it because you tear up a kid, you got a lifetime slave. And a 100% convicted person. They are convicted that you are it. So there are a lot of things that happen to you. There are some of you are on the cusp of, of, of victory. Some of you are about to break through in something, and yet you know it's that little something. There are a few of you who keep getting to the same door, same gate, different faces, different locations, but the same opportunities, and something freezes. You get locked down, and you cannot go forward, and you don't know why. And you can see it. It's like there are these invisible bars. You're reaching through them. You're stretching through these invisible bars, and you can't make the connection. And that has to do with soul success. Your soul must be primed for success. One of the reasons why God does so much with people when they're older is because they're mature. They make, and they make a decision for him. They're not caught up in compulsions and impulses because they've lived long enough to sort through those. So, I want you to think about it. Some of you women, you've been through. Some of you, your children have been through. You don't even know it. Some of you, your daughters have lived through horrible things and can't tell anyone because you don't know it. And some of you all just need God to validate you as bad. You've had horrible father experiences or really great ones, and your father died when you were young. It doesn't matter, but you need the fullness of the Godhead, and you need his touch to go forward and to stay. Nobody's saying that if you don't show up here, you're not going to make it or you're going to fall apart. What I am saying, though, is far too many people can't sustain success. And in today's world, fewer and fewer of them. If they do, they're taking pills after pills and all kinds of guru this and, and crazy, that, all of that, when, because your soul has got to be constructed and conformed to thrive under the pressures of success. And not everybody's soul can do that. And God knows it. He knows it. And so I would say that to you know, a great example in Scripture is Saul. Saul did not have the soul to succeed. He did not. He couldn't. He just couldn't do it. You know, Ahab did not have the soul to succeed. Couldn't sustain that opportunity. Jeroboam could not have it. The first thing Jeroboam did was fall into the, the childishness of envy and jealousy. He panicked. I don't know why he, I don't even know why he made me king. So I better rechange things so that I, they don't kill me and I stop being king. There are so many examples in there where where people cannot sustain success. Your soul can't do it. Then you have again, you have the people who are on you know drugs and pills, and you know you got this foxy slink, you know slinky model who vomiting every third minute. Soul can't sustain success. So in place of discipline, you got soul abuse. So these are the things that I would like to share with you, and, and part of what I did to help people through that beyond the, the Soul of Success series is also the 3D program. We, you've heard us talk about it over and over and over again. I, I know it was here somewhere. It doesn't matter. We, Prophet Ashley does the one that's teaching about it. It's her, it's her hot button, and she absolutely loves it. I don't even know how many clients she has on it now. She pretty much puts everybody on it, um, you know, on some portion of it. But 3D, taking your life from distress to success. Do you know sometimes people don't even know their life is in distress? They don't even understand what that means. 
again, unable to, to, to sustain success, unable to thrive. You know, you go through the motions, and after a while, you just could I, I can't stop. I can't sleep. I can't, I can't think. I'm too nervous. I'm too tense. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm fighting with this old spirit. I'm fighting with this old, the old impulse and this old affliction or whatever because your soul cannot sustain success. And, you know, and Peter says, a, a beloved, I wish, a, we always say this, but we never break it down. Not Peter, John, forgive me, Father. John says, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. When you are soul healthy, your soul gets better for the pressure. It doesn't break. It gets, and so God want you to do that. Those are some of the things that I'm interested in doing, and I'm especially interested in women's ministry because we don't come, I mean, come on, it's not easy to be a woman in ministry. It's not easy to be a woman in anything. I, we were talking some, to some professional women, and they were like, yeah, tell us about it. I think, you know, we all think it's just us, but there is a thing that God wants to do with women. I don't care what anybody says. I'm telling you, there is something that God is about to do with the women in his kingdom and the women in his church. And he's about to give some amazing breakthroughs. But we want, we want to make sure we don't repeat history. We don't become an estrogen version of what testosterone did. Amen. You know, it's been wonderful. Just, just, I'm just having a blast tonight. So, again, give them those dates again for me. <laughs> Excuse me. April 14th and 15th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes. And go to my website. DrPaulaAPrice.com. Go there, go fishing, go swimming, go shopping, find yourself, lose your old self, get right, new we got stuff. Stuff, yeah. All of your events, the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute mm-hmm. State are out there, and they can register for that as well. Be connected to your e-store, be connected to your training center, Be connect, get connected to Radio, connected to DrPaulaPrice.tv. It takes a team. It takes a collaboration. 
It takes all of your expertise, all of the ones with the all of the degreed people, and all of the ones that God told not to get a degree, all of the 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 uh, specialized people, and all of the professionals, all of the fivefold, not just the ones that we agree with and we understand. It takes it all to make kingdom because Jesus is not just a savior; He's a sovereign. And I think that's a good place to go to some of the things that I want to talk to you about on our subject of. You know, we're talking about, I've been on this journey after all of this time with the uh, ABCs of Apostleship, Discipling Apostolic Christians. If you are new to me, go to those earlier periscopes. Go to YouTube and wherever else they are. They tell me I'm everywhere. Go there and catch up so you'll know what we're talking about. But to expedite the point for tonight, I do lay it out. And so I've been talking about New Era Apostleship. New Era Apostleship, because whenever God raises up apostles in mass, it's because he's changing eras. And truly, we have hit a change in era. Well, what does that mean? You know, there have been apostolic Christians for a while. There are a couple of good apostolic organizations. So are we the same? No. One of the reasons that I use the word apostleship is because I don't want to confuse it with apostolic. So we've been around for a while uh, as apostolic, and so what, what is the big deal? When people say often, we need to go back to the old-time religion. We need to go back to the days of the old early church. And I've done a, a, a broadcast on that. You can find it. I'm sure somebody online has it because my folks, they keep up with us. And so, but, but we don't know what we're really saying because if you want to go back, going back means, first of all, apostles. First Corinthians says, First Corinthians 12, 28 says, first apostles, secondarily prophets, and thirdly, thirdly teachers. 1 Corinthians 28 is not the same as Ephesians 4.11. Ephesians 4.11 is, um, you know, uh, is about that administrative piece. 1 Corinthians 12.28, that's about the governmental side, and it is literally the governmental and institutional structure of God's church on earth. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. Now, we've had, you know, you have a lot of folks that say, you know, well, I don't agree with that. That's fine, but we don't have a book called the Epistle of the Pastor. We really don't. We, you know, uh, Timothy, uh, Paul's letters to Timothy and Titus, Titus are called pastoral epistles, but they weren't pastors. They were bishops. They weren't shepherds. I realize bishops are like that. But, but Timothy followed Paul as a young apostle. So, you know, but in any event, the structure, divine structure of the church of God's kingdom is first apostles, secondarily prophets, and thirdly teachers. First, the apostle, because that's who Jesus started with. Secondly, the prophets, because the prophets foreran the apostles. Thirdly, the teachers, because people need to be intellectually discipled, you know, not just uh, spiritually and not just prophetically or, or, or predictively discipled. So I wanted to lay that out there. So when we talk about going back, we're talking about apostles. So new era, the first thing you need to know is this is new era apostleship. I just explained that. I also want to say that New, uh, new Era Apostleship is about apostolic Christians because apost all Christians begin their Christianity apostolic. All Christians, if you are born again by Jesus Christ, you're born again by the word, you are born again by the word of these apostles, of his apostles, and all Christians begin they, their Christianity with apostleship. Why? Well, think about it. When Pentecost came, who was the first person to preach the sermon? Peter. Peter the Apostle. What were the apostles? Before there was a church, there were apostles. So the first Christians to hit the planet were apostolic Christians. The first pastors were apostles. The first evangelists were apostles. The, everything but prophets. The apostles were the first of all of that. And God had to shut down the prophetic to bring it under the apostles in the New Testament. If you go down and look at your screen, it says also the early church was birthed by apostles before the institutional church. And God never did away with apostles. He never did away with apostleship. He never did away with prophets. The church did away with it because, well, you know, when you have the congregations, then you can pretty much become, we have third John telling us that, you can pretty much kick out whatever God's institutions are. Now, so all of this was to God's son's Christianity. So we are talking about ABCs of apostleship, which is, you know, the first Christians to ever be born, discipling apostolic Christians, birthed by apostles. I don't care what anybody says. 
Every Christian is apostolic. If they're a Christian, they're apostolic. I don't care that you say we don't recognize apostles. There are a lot of children that don't recognize their parents. There are a lot of wives that don't recognize their husbands. A lot of husbands don't recognize their wives. There are a lot of kids that don't recognize their family. So your lack of absence of recognition means nothing to God. And not one thing at all does it mean to God because he said my word, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will endure forever. Every Christian. You need to write it down. I don't care. Your first name is apostolic. Your surname is Baptist. Your surname is Methodist. Your surname is Episcopalian, Catholic. Your surname is, is Brotherhood uh, or whatever else we have, Church God in Christ, uh, you know, Assemblies uh, of God, all of that. Every Christian begins their life in Christ apostolic with apostles' doctrine. So when people start, you know, I love it when they like to, you know, kind of mess with me about that. And they were like, well, you know, we don't believe in apostles. That doesn't mean anything. You know, a lot of people don't believe in our government. We still pay taxes. You know how many people don't believe we should pay taxes as we pay them? So your belief in establish a longstanding institution doesn't do away with the institution. It just do, does away with your benefits from it or your appreciation. You know, I remember sitting at a table one time with a man who, uh, and a woman who wanted to do an article on me, and so, and she had her friend, and she wanted her friend to meet me. And I'm sitting at the table. It's, oh, it's a comical thing. And so she's talking about, because she had met me, and she'd come to one of my services, and she was impressed, and, of course, she wanted to share it. And so she did. She shared it with her friend, and he said, well, I want to meet her. So we're sitting at the table. We're sitting over lunch. And he says, so... So uh, what do you do about the scripture that says about women in ministry? I love it when they do that. God, please ask me. Lord, let him ask me. Where's my talking? Ask me. Can you shall receive? Speak, and you shall discover. Knock, and you shall know. Ask me, please. Okay, I'm back. Please ask me. Ask me. Tell me it's not right. Because I want you to tell me, unless we're talking about a third world religion like Islam or even, you know, come on, or you're talking about those other Buddhism or Karana, you know, they had to come to America to get free. Come on, we're talking about that, then that's something that I know nothing about them and what I do, but that's not true. So, but me, I know Jesus Christ, and I know. So when I started and I took up his whole lunch, and he said, so he said to his friend, he said, I walked into that one, didn't you? She said, I would think that that would have been the first thing she would have worked out. But that's how I feel about apostleship, worked it out. It doesn't make a difference about all your church history. The apostles predate the church. So church history is not enough to discredit apostleship because apostles existed before there was a church. Oh, isn't that nice to know? Hey, apostles out there, if you're out there, just send me a nice little wave, little, little, some sort of visual, because you know you didn't know that. So you sit down with these people and say, well, you know, God doesn't need apostles because the church is born. Well, the church wasn't born when he called them. He called them under a kingdom. When he rose from the dead, there still wasn't a church. And when he had the 40-day class, there still was no church. So you know what that means? The church does not define apostleship. Did you wish, don't you wish you had the sound effect? It's killing you, isn't it? <laughs> I know. So every Christian begins their Christian life apostolic. Now you can ignore it, you can walk away, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. And Jesus said to the apostles, you who have served me and who have stood with me in my trial will join me on my throne, sitting on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That's Bible. See, God had to get us out the Bible for you all to realize that there were no, it's like, just cut out that. I am so stunned, Ashley, I am stunned at the actual commentaries that rewrite the word. I said, oh, so this is a real warfare. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't think that somebody would have that kind of arrogance to just, and, and, and God says obnoxious, so I guess he has a whole different experience with them. But 
and he gives you his spirit. He pulls the gods, the spirit of the gods of your father and your mother out, and he puts his spirit in. Go and read Ezekiel 36. So when God gives you a new, when he gives you a, a, a based on John 3, and when God gives you a new spirit and he puts his spirit in you, he does that to be, be the life of your spirit and the life he expects you to, to live now that you have abandoned your other God. That's not just, you, you may physically renounce it, but God does not, it's not a physical or ethereal thing for the Lord. God literally pulls out of your body the spirit of the God that took over Adam. And he installs his own Holy Spirit in his place so he can assure that you will do his commandments, you will hear him, you will walk in them, you will love him. So now, when you decide to stay out of God or stay out of Jesus Christ, you know, I've tried this Christian thing and it's not all that, it's not fun. You realize that you still have God's Holy Spirit in you and you become an alien. You're an alien to the former world and you are estranged from the world of Christ. So you are literally in the middle, not able to go either way. Nobody's claiming you. It's kind of like those religions that tell you, well, we just said, well, that's the universe. I don't want a nameless, faceless, nobody taking credit for me universe calling the shots in my life because I want to know who I'm blaming. I don't do I blame Mars? Am I going to blame, you know, Earth? Am I going to blame Pluto, Jupiter? Who am I going to blame? Am I going to blame the constellation Orion? Am I going to blame it? Who am I blaming? The galaxy so-and-so? Who am I blaming? So, I mean, did they all get together and team up on me? Did they all get together to jump on me? What are we talking about here? Because God has no personalized powers, not one. He said, all, I know all the angels all the stars by name. He said, I know every star by name. He said, and not one of them is missing. We say a star died. God didn't. We say that the, that the star is gone. God didn't. Now, he may file them away somewhere. Maybe they're under arrest. He might have them under house arrest or something. I don't know. Because, you know, that Jesus got a big world is what it is. But I will, you, I, I, I listen to these people. When they say the universe, I'm like, what part? What, what part? North part? North star? You know, a war? What are we talking here? It's a vast universe out there. And nobody wants to take credit for you? Nobody wants to claim you? That's pretty sad. You know, that's pretty sad. That's like wanting to come back as a cockroach and get caught under somebody's seat. Ready? All right. So let's look at this. We're going to do a quick contrast. We're not going to finish it. Obviously, we won't finish it tonight, but we will pick up on it next week when we come back. But starting with Solomon in Ecclesiastes 1.9, um, what has been is what will be. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything about which is said, look, this is new. It has already, it was already here long ago in the ages Oh, hold on, Cookie. See, she's always doing this to me when I get out. All right? There is no remembrance of former things, and things yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. Is that powerful? That's why we can keep, they can keep re, 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 reinventing things for you. They keep reinventing, revisiting. So let's just look at this for a moment, just for a moment. So at least it'll be worth your while. Hold on, girl. She and she, my friend. Okay, so we're going to do, when we get back together again, we're going to talk about what it is. Are we comparing institutional organics with scriptural organics? That is what we're going to do because we have to understand which way is God. Like, which way is God going? And so when we get back together again, we're going to compare institutional organics with scriptural organics. Because there are a lot of people saying they're organic Christians and don't even touch the Bible. There is something called spiritual organics, where you just work with the Holy Spirit and hope that he's the only one showing up. As you can see, she timed me out. She counted me out. I hung tough. I pushed it as much as I can. But we have come to the end. We will resume. You see, she's on it. And so she, we will be here Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Central Time for the Paula Price Show. And Thursday evening, not Thursday evening, she says I'm not. I'm traveling Thursday evening. So that means 
here's what you do. You have an assignment. I'm traveling Thursday evening, so you must go and catch up with all the ones that you haven't seen. That'll give you something to do. Hallelujah. Don't forget, go to Paula, uh, DrPaulaPrice.com, Dr. Paula 